You're listening to another episode of Power Pearls Podcast. I'm the host, Kara Gott Warner, and it's my mission to share those stories that celebrate our passion for making and yarn crafting and what keeps us going down that path. This episode was brought to you by Barocco, one of the largest importers and wholesalers of hand knitting yarns, patterns, and supplies in the United States and Canada. Barocco's range of specialty yarns are imported from countries around the world, and they publish an extensive range of books and patterns for both knitting and crochet. To learn more, visit barocco.com. Hey, Power Pearlers. Welcome to another episode of Power Pearls Podcast. Today, I am chatting with the editorial director and vice president of Vogue Knitting, Trisha Malcolm herself. Now, many of you may know that she was on the episode way back when, or actually on the podcast as episode number one. So, she started it all right here. (laughs) So, I want to welcome you, Trisha. Thanks for joining me again on Power Pearls Podcast. This is awesome. Thanks, Kara. Thanks for having me back. Yeah. So I always talk about, I always say, I talk to rock stars in in the yarn world, and you're one of those people that fits that definition for sure in my book. So this was great because the first episode, we talked about, you know, we had like an editor to editor conversation. And so now I'm, you know, not in that world, or I'm still half in that world. But today we're going to do something a little bit different, and we're going to talk about the 35th anniversary issue of Vogue Knitting I'm holding up right here. So we're going to talk about this, but before we do that, um, now I know that um, many of the listeners heard our conversation uh, in episode one, but could you share a little bit about yourself, but you don't have to go back to when you were a little girl and you first learned how to knit, (laughs) but your kind of your evolution, you know, up to like when you started with Vogue Knitting and um, kind of, you know, how that all started for you. And then we'll just kind of dig into the new issue. Okay, sure. Um, well, I started knitting as a little girl. So. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I guess it all sort of started, I was a high school teacher. And um, because I was a teacher, I was, you know, I'm trained to give instruction. So I left teaching. I went traveling um, around the world. I drove a $200 car across the U.S., and I finally came to New York, and I got a job working at a craft magazine because I was a teacher, because I knew how to do all of these crafty things. I knew how to sew and quilt and knit and crochet, you know, and so that's how it sort of happened. And um, once I got into magazine world, I really loved it. Actually, you know, it's kind of fun, mm-hmm. you know. It's tough under all those deadlines, but it's also creative it's a creative job because every issue is different and every time something new happens it's exciting you know it's not like a Mm -hmm. you know a day-to-day job where it's the same old same old so anyway I ended up at Vogue Knitting and this year actually this issue marks my 20th anniversary with the magazine that's amazing feel old (laughs) that is amazing and a lot has happened in those 20, you said 20 years, right? 20 years. 20 years. 20. The entire um, landscape of knitting's changed in oh, 20 years. 
Oh, it certainly has. And, and we'll talk about more in this issue, but a lot of, a lot has changed over the, just the last couple of years I've noticed in Vogue knitting, you know? So, so yeah, so 20 years and so 30 years ago, we were barely even doing computer pages, you know? It was almost still the time of hand-pasted pages. Paste up the mechanicals, right? Exactly. Exactly. So we've come a long way. Oh, definitely. Definitely. And I can remember those days, the paste up in mechanicals. And I just can't believe that. Yeah. I can't believe things were done that way, but I guess you had to. That was the only way to do it, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So so you want to dive in? So this issue. Mm -hmm. So Deborah Newton is on the cover. Right. This is Deborah Newton's piece. That is gorgeous. It is. Yeah. So she now this. Me, yeah. No. So there go ahead. Go. I was just going to say, Deborah told me she wanted to create something unlike she'd ever done before. And when she was done, she sent me an email to say she thinks this is her best design ever. It's it's absolutely gorgeous. And when I I should just turn to that page. I should have had it bookmarked here. And this design. Just so you can see the full length version of this. It is, oh, here it is. I got it. So everyone can see that. That is absolutely stunning. It is we got gorgeous. That? It really is. Absolutely. It's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, and she was the right person to have on this cover for the, you know, the 35th anniversary. Absolutely. So now let me ask you a quick question. Um, as I remember, because I don't know if I even said this in our last, uh, in our first interview together. Um, I had a 1962 uh, issue, but you relaunched in 1982. So what happened? Was there like a big gap where there was no Vogue knitting? Yeah. Vogue knitting started in 1932. Mm. So actually, Vogue knitting, well, this is our 35th anniversary. Um, the brand is like 85 years old. Wow. With this issue. So we've got this like kind of wild heritage, you know? Mm-hmm. But back in the early days, there were only, you know, sometimes maybe one issue a year, sometimes maybe two, until we got sort of further into um, like the 60s and 70s. And then in 1972, mm-hmm. they um, stopped publishing it. Now, back then, um, Vogue Knitting was published by Condé Nast, and they were also publishing Vogue Patterns. So in 19- the early 70s, they sold Vogue Patterns to Butterick Patterns and closed down Vogue Knitting. And mm. then in the 1980s, there was a big knitting boom again. And um, my boss um, went to Condé Nast and said, you guys used to publish that knitting magazine. Can we do that again? <laughs> and sure. so they, you know, had a little handshake deal. And, um, you know, I always think of it like Mad Men. So there would have been <laughs> martinis and cigars in the conference room when this happened. <laughs> it probably was. You know, they say it was such a racket, the magazine oh, world. Totally, totally. Yeah. So um, then the next, well, the new magazine then was launched in 1982. So that's why you have a 1960s. Um, well, it's issue. it's a really sad story because this 1962 issue, I lost it. And uh, no, it, was in, it was pristine. It was in, because I probably did uh, talk about it the last time we spoke because I always think about it when I talk to you. No, I'm just kidding. Mm-hmm. But it was pristine, beautiful. It was my, you know, my grandmother gave it to me and I probably lost it in a move or who knows, who knows what, but yeah, yeah. gone forever. But anyway, <laughs> you, you may still find it again. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Maybe. Who knows? Every time again, on eBay, these things pop up or on Etsy. There you go. So yeah. 
Why do you think Vogue Knitting in its current incarnation, like why it's stuck around for all these years? What do you think the magic ingredient is to making it all work? It's a loaded question, I know. <laughs> it's a loaded question. Well, firstly, um, I think we, we're very different to any other magazine. And because we have that Vogue name, our, um, our focus is on fashion. And that's been a very important part of this magazine for so many years. However, I think it's becoming less important as fashion. Fashion's changed in the last 35 years. You know, people used to get mm-hmm. dressed up to fly. Now it looks like people are basically wearing their pajamas, you know, <laughs> like sort of really comfortable clothes. That's, that's how I refer to it as anything that's close to pajamas is what I fly in. But do you know what I mean? I think that's like when you go to the theater too, it used to be everyone would dress up. Even to go and see a movie, they would dress up. Now it's just, it's jeans and comfortable clothes. Thank you know, goodness. it's not what, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, so. Anyway, during all of those years when fashion mattered more, we always had that sort of fashion thing. And we used to have a lot more fashion designers featured in our magazine than we do now um, because of our um, being part of Vogue Patterns. Um, you know, so we, we were in a whole different sort of mm-hmm. time and world. And so um, I think that's the thing that set us apart over the years mm-hmm. is we we take um, a more fashion approach and often that's in the shooting you know because Mm -hmm. for instance if I took um a sweater out of this magazine and I gave it to you to shoot if you were still at creative netting you'd shoot it in the way that fits the look of your magazine and if I sent it off to um knitters oh not knitters sorry to interweave (laughs) and had them shoot it they'd shoot it in their way and then we shoot and present in our way Mm-hmm. And even though it's morphed and changed over the years, we have a very particular look, you know? And that makes like sense. We, we, yeah, and we have different models to the models that you would have because we're pulling from New York models, mm-hmm. you know? Whereas you, when you were shooting, were probably getting models from maybe Chicago or somewhere more local. Mm-hmm. But the thing that really, I think, makes Vogue Knitting stand apart is the fact that you really have your finger on the pulse of the trends, not just knitting, you know, fashion. So how do you keep that constant open line, you know, or that, you know, to, to know what's happening? You know what I mean? Because I think that I'll admit as a former editor to have that in, to really know what's happening in fashion, unless you're, you, you subscribe to a service or, you know, now you can get everything on Pinterest, <laughs> you okay. know, but how do you, because there are still, Vogue is still gets that information or has that understanding that other magazines in the knitting world, in the yarn world, they don't have. So how do you keep your finger on that pulse? What I do is I um, spend a lot of time with my Vogue.com or my, sorry, wrong, Vogue Runway app is what it is. Mm -hmm. Um, And in that app, I think it's like the most amazing app. I can actually go Mm -hmm. um, to Fashion Week without leaving my apartment or leaving my desk. And I can um, look at every runway show and then I can isolate all the sweaters, all the knits. And so that's where I go for my inspiration. So um, by screenshotting, shooting, taking screenshots of every one of those knits, I'm able to put them all together and then bundle them into um, trends. 
Like, for instance, um, last fall, you know, there were so many sweaters with ruffles on them. So I put those sort of all together, and then I see that that's a trend. You know, um, mm-hmm. another trend right now is that sweaters are not so fitted. They're a little more oversized. Um, so that becomes a trend. There's a lot of cables out there. Um, they're starting to be a little bit more in Taja. So just by collecting as many images from as many fashion shows as I can, by putting them together, I can actually formulate what those trends might be. Mm-hmm. Well, does that make sense? It does. Um, so with, with the Vogue Runway app, I mean, that's ready to wear. But what about, so let's say cables are trending. You may not necessarily okay. see that on an app like, you know, Vogue, because it's going to be ready to wear. So let's say... You know, I mean, are you are you thinking, okay, this we're going to make cables a trend? <laughs> I mean, cables are always, I mean, it's this kind of like, okay, fall, winter, cables, great. You know, mm-hmm. um, but what? Where do you get that kind of? How do you tie that into it as well? The knitting piece to the okay. silhouette well, trends, right? Well, it's not just the silhouette trends because lots of designers use knitting as part of their um their shows, so um. I find um, some years more than others, you'll see knits on the runway overall, mm-hmm. and some years you'll see definite trends. So when I say cable trends, there were a lot of cable trends, you know. Um, like a year or so ago, there was a lot of ferrile happening, and like different people were doing ferrile. And it's just like hand-knitted ferrile. They will use actual knit designers to um, come up with these um, garments and a lot of them are hand knit, some machine, but it's still, um, I like to think of it a little bit as the reverse of our knitting thing. Sometimes I think that the, um, the design world borrows from the knitting world. Like they come mm-hmm. and look at knitting traditions. Like for instance, if there's cables happening, they'll go and they'll look at traditional cable sweaters and so be influenced by those to create their looks. Um, there is that famous story of, I think it was the staff from Chanel who went to Shetland and copied some of the sweaters from there, but copied them a little too closely and there was oh. a little drama. Yeah. <laughs> so they're, they're, they do look to us, you know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. what we're doing. And a good example of that is I'm starting to see more um, shawls and wraps on the runway. And I think that's interesting to me because I think they're doing that because they're seeing that that's what knitters are knitting. Mm. Mm-hmm. So I think they look to us a little bit too. That's right. Um, the fun fur craze when that was happening, it <laughs> happened in knitting world first and then you saw it on the runway. Yeah. Well, you know, going back to what you said before, you know, being in this world, this publishing world is a lot of fun, you know, and I think I know why and you might maybe you'll agree because you get to be like this curator of stuff. Would you that's say that that's, thing. Yes. Yes. right? That's, that's yeah. Because designing is how I entered this world, but I loved being an editor. In a, It was just different. It was like, I can pull it all together and bake that cake into something and mm-hmm. kind of bring all these talented people together. So I think that I could imagine that that's what you might be feeling as well. Yeah. It is. And there's so much talent out there mm-hmm. in the knitting world. There's some amazing designers, you know, who just do some really interesting things. And it's so cool to be able to um, meet those people and see what they're doing, you know? 
Hey, Power Pearlers, just popping in to share that I'm so excited to be partnering with Barocco Yarn on my next Stitchucation Shawls Challenge coming up October 16th. We'll be taking an intuitive journey through the art of short row shawls. And when you sign up, you get five days of challenges and a free short row shawl pattern made with one ball of Barocco Nebula, a stunning fingering weight yarn. During the five days, you'll have options for customizing the pattern to make a daintier shawl or a full-size version. We'll explore a variety of short row techniques to take your shawl-making skills to the next level. To sign up, visit powerpearlspodcast.com forward slash short row shawls challenge. So let's talk about, let's switch gears a little bit here. So we really wanted to talk about the 35th anniversary issue. So is there something about this that's different than, uh, you know, most of the issues? Is there something that, like, what, what, do we, what should we dig into when it comes to this? I know there's a lot of stories in here, you know, and I noticed that's been happening more and more in Vogue Knitting where, you know, you've got a certain design in the magazine, and then there's an additional story about the designer or a book um, that you that has come out, like Tracy Percher, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. What do you can you talk a little bit to what's happening in this issue? Yeah, um, about a year ago, we redesigned our magazine, and that was one of the things I wanted to include more of. You know, a behind the scenes of what makes designers work. You know, what um, is it that inspires them? What is it that they love to do? You know, that kind of thing. And we featured Tracy in this issue, for instance, because she has a new book out and she's actually developed a whole new way of approaching tuck stitches. So we wanted mm-hmm. to write about that and, um, you know, and then, yeah, um, like that looks like a big cable cow, but it's actually created it's not. Uh, with tuck stitches. Oh, wow. Yeah, uh, yeah. I thought for sure that was ca- a cable. Now I can kind of see how that would be tuck stitches. Yeah, and really take a look deeper there. Yeah. And it's easy to do, and it's it's very cool. And then if you look on the next spread, this is um a really cool design by Laura Zucchini. So cool. Um, yeah, the way she's embroidered onto this sweater is just beautiful. But she's someone who we've been working with for a long time, and it's great to be able to tell people a little more about her. Because, um, mm-hmm. you know, if you see her designs or you have her books, um, you, you know who she is, but you really don't know her. And that's what mm. I've been trying to do is, you know, make these people more approachable and we can all learn from little bits and pieces about them, you know. And that's what makes a magazine different than, oh, here's just another free pattern. Exactly. You know, and, and that's it. It's like you can't get this inside look into what's happening with these designers, like you said, to get to know them yeah. a little bit deeper than beyond just the pattern. Uh, because, yeah, I mean, as we know, patterns have become a bit of a commodity. But what yeah. you're doing with Vogue Knitting is beautiful. I mean, just the book itself, you want to hold it and touch it. I love how, so the cover is thicker. I've noticed lately, yeah. unless it's the same thickness yeah. as it's been, but it's it's like more substantial and meaty, and I really like that. Yeah. Um, 
something like 94% of our readers save every issue. Mm-hmm. So I really fight for paper quality and cover quality because I think, um, you know, these are something that our readers refer back to, you know, again mm-hmm. and again and year after year. So I want it to be something that will keep its shape and will still look good in a few years from now. It might be a little dog-eared, but it's still yeah. messed up. But it's like a book. You know, yeah, and the the format is it's wider, you know, like yeah. um, so it's a little bit wider than a typical. I mean, like it's like as wide as maybe Oprah or something. I don't know, maybe, yeah, <laughs> but I don't know what format size that is. But it's a little more elegant, has a wider. Um, yeah, we did that a year ago. Um, mm-hmm. we also got a new logo a year ago, and we're mm-hmm. actually able to use the same logo now that um, what we call Big Vogue uses. Yes. The NASP users all over the world for their magazine. Um, and it works it worked in our favor. Last week, someone went into an, one of the new Amazon stores here in New York, and our mm-hmm. Vogue knitting was actually in front of um, regular Vogue. Um, and I think you know, they didn't notice the knitting por- a portion of the thing. They just saw Vogue and put it in the back. Yeah, that's so cool that you said that because... I said to myself last year, probably, there's something different about the logo. <laughs> but I didn't, I mean, because the Vogue is the, is the serif the same as, as Vogue, 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 big Vogue. Okay, yeah. Because you used to ha- wasn't the old Vogue knitting logo a sans serif, like without the, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. It was. Yep. How cool. So that's kind of I'm sorry, part. I just noticed now. I'm just being completely honest, but it's like no, totally okay. awesome. Um, but yeah, so what else? Uh, you know, let's talk about the future. Like, where do you see Vogue Knitting going? I see us going um, into a broader digital um, environment. And I've got some big plans for that. I've just got to get them, you know, passed by. Um, mm-hmm. um, so that's kind of where I'm trying to, to go. Um, not that I think that the print issue will disappear. Um, when we first all got iPads and everyone started getting digital issues, um, there was a real big push for that in the very beginning, but then as time went by, um, that sort of leveled off because I think less people are using, you know, readers like as they were. Mm-hmm. I think um, as our phones get bigger, um, the readers are sort of becoming less important. But for a magazine, a phone isn't a great tool. Mm-mm. So um, I'm looking yeah. for a new way for us to deliver content that will be um, mobile accessible on a phone. So that's sort of one of the areas I'm trying to take it because um, it's really important to deliver it in a way that's not just like on a printed page. Right. So it's like it is having another dimension to the magazine, having a, a, a platform, a digital platform, you know, because I think that that's what is necessary or needed. I think it's, you know, if you got the print magazine, then people, you already said it, but people aren't necessarily going to look at the, the, um, the digital version because it's sort of like an afterthought, if that makes sense, an afterthought mm-hmm. of the print magazine. So to to really build that that digital platform, I think that's um, kind of becoming a future that I think a lot of publishers are looking at, or I think personally should be starting to really look at more and more. So absolutely, and also yeah. a few years ago, the technology wasn't quite there. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it used to be that the only way that you could see a magazine was, you know, reading basically a PDF exactly as the page existed. And now technology is there that can break that page down and deliver it in a whole new way. And I think that's an exciting thing for us mm-hmm. moving forward. Definitely. Okay, so do we want to talk a little bit more about this? So you turn to from the archives. Yes, I wanted to talk about that because that's something that we did, especially with our um, advertisers for this issue. Um, we've got, you know, a certain number of advertisers who've been with us for many, many years, and we wanted to um, showcase them and some of the work that we've done with them over the years. So what we did is um, we went to these particular advertisers and we invited them to um, find something that had been in the magazine in the past that they knew had sold a lot of yarn for them or they knew um, was a favorite. So they all chose these patterns and then we've made these patterns free on our website for a limited amount of time. Mm-hmm. Well, that's brilliant. Yeah, that, I really like that. So that's definitely um, um, a nice touch to this issue because you can see the original design or the the original issue that 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 design was in. So you can kind of take a walk back in time throughout this section. If you see the one from Lion Brand, this one with the white, there's a white seed stitch, seed stitch coat. Yes. This, this yes. took off on Ravelry and was up to number seven last week. So that really? Was yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. It's a great coat. That is. It's a really great it's coat. It's beautiful. Really yeah. beautiful. So another thing we've started doing, because this is our fall issue and it's the beginning of a new knitting season, is we've started putting a yarn section in our magazine. Where we show now, haven't you done that? Yeah. Haven't you been doing that though for a couple of years, or is this? We have, yeah. Now we've um, pushed it out to the spring issues as well. But I always love these pages because I feel like I can actually touch these, and you can see the actual size of each piece of yarn and the colors, and you know, I think it's kind of exciting. Yeah, and then you've got the so you get to see the skein, you get to really see it on the spread, and then you also are mentioning the yarn company of the yarn company's logo in the spread as well. Yeah. So that's and and so that's a really nice touch. I really like that as well. It's fun to see what's new in yarn because after all, that's what we all live for, isn't it? <laughs> so I know I was reading your editorial letter, and you were talking a little bit about your team because you know if it wasn't for your amazing team and the executive editor of the magazine as well. Like how, how do you do it? How do you, you make all the magic happen with them? You know, tell me a little bit about how they make all this happen on the pages. Um, We've got a, it's a small team. I know people think we're like a, they think, they think we're a big publisher. (laughs) We're actually a very small company. We're um, owned by two families and they have like kids in the business. Um, And my team my uh, magazine team, there's basically eight of us, 10 of us, maybe, max. Um, and with that, we put out six issues of Vogue Knitting, plus, you know, we publish Knit Simple magazine as well. Um, anyway, um, there's some people who have been here for quite a long time. One of them is my executive editor, Carla Scott, who actually worked on the first issue 35 years ago. So she sort of left two different times along the way and came back. And um, she's here now and 
she's amazing. Like I've never met anyone as technically minded as Carla is. And she's just a wonderful person. And that makes it so much better. Now, isn't she also the editor or executive editor of Knit Simple? She is, yeah. Mm -hmm. So she's a woman of many talents. She certainly is. And her sister is? Marilyn Patrick. That's right. (laughs) Yes. And she's she's your tech editor, right? Or I mean, she's the head. I guess you have many tech editors or maybe... No, we only have Handful. two. Well, two that we two? mainly use. Yeah, on an ongoing basis. When we need others, we'll pull more in. But yes, she's one of those. She also designed for the very first issue 35 years ago. Hmm. Um, so she's also an uber talented woman. She's amazing. Um, and she's basically been designing for the magazine ever since. There's very few years where there's issues without a Marilyn Patrick design. Wow. So are they all local or is anyone remote on your team? Yeah, we have one person who lives in Oregon, in Portland, and she's one of our instruction writers. But Mm -hmm. most everybody's here. Um, We find that that collaboration that comes from a team, being together is really important. Yeah, and definitely it's that energy of being together in a room, talking about ideas. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, when you have people on a speakerphone, it's not the same. <laughs> it's not the same. <laughs> it's not. So is this issue on the newsstands right now? It is, yes. It and is. it'll be there for, um, but it's on the stands for two months. So it's only just gone on sale last week. Mm-hmm. Officially. Our, our, I mean, our um, subscribers would have had it before that. And yarn stores have it before that. And is there anything else that you want to say about this issue that I maybe I didn't ask you know, I didn't ask enough questions about? Um, no. Um, you know, there's lots of fun things in there. Um, I don't know. It's, it's kind of hard for me to say too much because there's things I like and there's things I don't like and I'm critical <laughs> like every editor is. Um, but I'm proud of all of the collaboration that went into this. Um, and I, I am very proud of my team. You know, they're... Most people who work here have been here for quite some time and um, they work very hard and they're all like very nice. It's one of the things mm-hmm. when I interview anyone now, I say to them, look, I only want nice people working here. If you're not going to be nice, then yes. don't even think about it because, you know, we spend so much of our life at work. It's crazy not to work with people who are going to be passionate about what they do or do I, you know, I want people to be nice. Working with your team, you know, when, when you guys did the, the Annie's festival a couple of years ago and they're just all really awesome people. So you guys, you know, you're very lucky to have some wonderful, wonderful people. I really am. Great. They have great ideas. They're just very talented. So I was just going to say, looking through all these, um, the different chapters, I really like the Jade, the power of Jade. Yeah, because you know the celebration, right? What is the the color of celebration? So we are celebrating, and yes. I have to say, I really like this touch right here, Trish. The um the frames. Oh yeah. So, uh-huh. is that something that you've been doing in every issue where you're adding the 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 white frame? No. Every couple of spreads, or yeah. actually, it's on the right. It's on the right side only. I'm noticing. I love that. I like how you you're mixing it up, but that does add a very elegant look, especially to an intro. Yes. That's my creative director, Diane. She's, um, that's her sensibility. Beautiful. She's also incredibly talented. 
Okay, so this is great. So you can get this on the newsstand now. And what else? How can the listeners learn more about Vogue okay. Knitting? We got Vogue Knitting Live too. We have Vogue Knitting Live. And um, um, there's two things here, actually, I should mention that you yeah. can win a kit to make this Deborah Newton cover sweater. You just need to find out how inside the magazine. And also, we're giving away a Vogue Knitting trip. For next year, one of our um, destination experiences. So, if you look inside the magazine on the editor's letter page, there's a little box there that tells you how to enter to win a trip with oh, us. Awesome. I, just, I just went to Sonoma this last weekend on a knitting <sighs> trip, and it was amazing. It was fantastic. Oh my goodness! You got such perks, Trish, to be <laughs> the editor, the VP of Vogue Knitting. And then also you said a trip, to win a trip. And that's, is that also on this page or it's in the back, you said? No, on the editor's it is on this page, page, next page. Well, that's yeah, great. The next one. Well, awesome. So that's exciting. And we, you know, it's always fun to do that, something like that for an anniversary. Yeah. So, Tricia, you also have a little surprise for the Power Pearls listeners. I do. I do. Um, I would love to give three of your listeners a free subscription to our magazine. Oh, that's awesome. How's that? So what you guys can do is go to the show notes page at powerpearlspodcast.com forward slash 72 and leave a comment sharing what you love the most about the new issue of Vogue Knitting. Does that sound good, Trish? All right. right. Awesome. Well, I want to say thank you so much for joining me. And this is a treat uh, to have you back on. I know we've been trying to do this for so long. And so I, uh, you know, just love having you as a friend and knowing you in in this wonderful industry. Uh, So thanks for joining me, Trish. Thank you so much for having me. I really love being here with you. Thank you. Hey, you guys, I think we did it once again. Awesome, awesome chat that I had with Trisha Malcolm. She was episode number one. And like I said earlier, she started it all right here on Power Pearls podcast. And I just want to give another shout out to say, Trisha, thank you so much for joining me. I know we've been trying to figure this out for a while, and I'm so happy that we finally, finally made it happen. And congratulations on 35 years of Vogue Knitting Magazine. And I just wanted to also just clarify something that we mentioned at the end. So Trisha has so kindly given three one-year subscriptions to Vogue Knitting Magazine. Once you leave your comment about your you know, what you like the most, what's the best takeaway, what do you what do you think is the most amazing about this new issue? And leave it in the comments. And so if you go to Power Pearls Podcast dot com forward slash 72 you can leave a a comment at the bottom of the show notes page and then you will be entered for your chance to win one of three one-year subscriptions to vogue knitting magazine so good luck and thanks for listening see you next time